listening to You Need to Stop Doing That, a podcast from Work Better Day and MatchPace. I'm your host, Elizabeth Knox. We are all facing a million decisions a day, big ones and little ones, and it can be overwhelming. Our quick solution is often to add more to our lives, more technology hacks, more responsibilities, more relationships. In reality, if we want to be more successful, have a greater impact, and maintain the quality relationships that we have, we need to make choices to prune away some things from our lives. Only then can our priorities have the place that they deserve. In this podcast, we explore how to stop doing something in a world where we expect ourselves and others to keep saying yes to the next thing. On today's episode, I am speaking with Grace Langham. Grace is the CEO of Flock, which is a group of boutique real estate companies in Washington, D.C. Today, Grace and I talk about what it is that they stopped doing, which was they really worked on their mindset and stopped treating everything as though it was an emergency. She talks about how they changed their language around that, how they created structures to support their staff, and how they realized that the way that they were prioritizing their clients over everything was actually leading to poorer client service. Take a listen. Hey, Grace, welcome to You Need to Stop Doing That. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, Can you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Grace Langham. I'm the president of Flock DC. Uh, Originally, I'm from Seattle, but moved to DC, I think, exactly 10 years ago, maybe this week. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was mid-September. So yeah, moved here to become an elementary school teacher. Um, I taught for three years at a charter school. And while I loved lots of it um, and certainly found a lot of meaning in it, I thought I would be in education for a life. Mm. I got incredibly burnt out on sort of the 70 to 90 hour weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I got connected with Lisa Wise through my network. She's the founder of Nest DC, uh, which was a small property management company at the time that was like really in startup mode. And she just was incredibly inspiring. She has a nonprofit background and really had a strong desire to sort of create this business in an industry where you don't often see great service or a great place to work. And that was really her, her motivation from the beginning. I was the fifth hire. And now seven years later, we have 44 team members and a family of three companies. Oh my goodness. It's darling. Yeah. <laughs> Been a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, really. What? Is, sorry. I think I interrupted you with the three companies again. Or... Nest, Roost, and Starling. So okay. cool. Nest provides like individual homeowners with property management and then Roost offers homeowners association management and Starling is our turnover division like specializing in getting spaces ready for tenants um, and moving so right now we're working on rolling those three companies up into block DC where we also channel our philanthropy efforts that's amazing that's yeah. so fun so excited <laughs> yeah cool um what a change from um education to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have I have found, I mean, I have so much respect for teachers and I think it is one of the hardest jobs you can have. There's so much meaning in it, but then it's also incredibly important work. You know, you kind of can't yeah, you, you can never do enough. And so mm-hmm. it, yeah. but it's it's one of the most important things I think you could you could spend your time doing. I agree. I agree. I'm so thankful for <laughs> <teachers>. <laughs> Um so we are here to talk about what you have stopped doing. So 
Um, tell us what you guys stopped doing at, at Nest. Uh, I think the number one thing that I think we've, we've really shifted is sort of this idea that um, everything that kind of came in was an emergency. You know, we, we work with clients who yeah, can have real emergencies, obviously, at their properties. And so we sort of just got in this habit of kind of constantly being overwhelmed or, you know, by wanting to prioritize the client, we were really never prioritizing ourselves or our own time. Um, mm. And that just, you know, obviously can lead to burnout. So we kind of made a calculated effort to stop using that language. And, you know, I think language is incredibly important mm-hmm. um, and have tried to move away from that because we just want team members to be able to have a little more control over the day. Um, something that you didn't share just now, but we had talked about before was that you even, the language that you used, like, oh, what fires do you yeah. have? Like that was a question in your regular meetings, right? Oh, absolutely. It was like kind of every day, like what's on fire <laughs> or what, mm-hmm. not literally, but something. But you know, yeah. 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 Good, but um, yeah, we would sort of kick off everything of like, what's on fire? We, what we really meant is like, what do you need help with? Or what is my, maybe not going well? Or what could be on fire? It just, yeah, we learned, I think I even had like a folder in my email that was like fires. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, those, I, yeah, I think when we were talking before, it's like those fires like suck the energy out of the room, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they are like, it's just such a, it was such a drain. That we just didn't know we were creating. We thought the work was that way. Um, yeah. So then why you thought that the work was that way, and I could see why people would think that property management is that way, but what made you realize that thinking of everything as an emergency didn't serve you? Oh, that's such a good question. Like, was there a moment in time that we mm-hmm. just made the choice? I think it was sort of slow and gradual, and realizing we were prioritizing everything and by doing so like really prioritizing nothing right Mm -hmm. um and I think I think I had like a one thing I remember learning as a teacher is you know the language used in a classroom is really important right so um you want to positively narrate you want to you want to stay positive even if maybe you're like correcting behavior so you're you're narrating the good things that are happening, not the bad, because you do have such a loud voice in that room and like mm-hmm. control over the, the culture of the classroom and and that I think I I was I have a, a number of friends who are still in education and I think it it dawned on me that, you know, that's true in a team environment too. <laughs> so the way you frame the work and the way you talk about things um to yourself and just externally is is really key in setting the tone for for the team, it, it was as we grew, you know, we got to, I think, 15 employees and I was like, this is not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and it really impacts, it's the tone that you're setting as a leader and impacts then the way that the team feels. So then it kind of perpetuates itself. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And and people just started to define success in, like, how many fires did we have today? But, okay, mm. yeah, no fires, it was a good day, but it's like, we actually don't have any control over that is one of the things about property management you just really are not very in control of your day or what's going to come across your plate every day is different which is a great thing (laughs) but yeah we just were finding that was such a there yeah if you try to put that into sort of action items of how to be successful no fires is not something we can control the only way we can control it is to stop calling things fires Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and treating them like fires. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all hands on deck all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work as you go. Right. So then what are, you said, you talked about changing the language. What are some other things that you've done to change the mentality within your team? Yeah, we have started to do, um, as we've grown, one of the key things we've done is um, is set aside time every quarter. So we have these quarterly retreats where we're often thinking about, you know, something very targeted in our culture and our service and, and trying to combine those things. Because like I said, as we've grown, our, our leadership team is, I, th- I think it's really easy and really nice to have a compass, right? So our compass is, are we nailing it for our clients and are we nailing it for our team? Like people are what matter, right? So um, is our team happy and our clients are happy? That's kind of like what I have as like my guiding goal all the time. Mm-hmm. Or are they satisfied, right? And so we started to set aside time and really talk more and more about like what makes the work challenging and give our team that time away from the office. So we typically have an offsite quarterly mm-hmm. and we do education around it. I mean, one of the, our first one we kicked off with I had just, we had, yeah, I had just listened to a podcast our, our leadership team had about sort of job crafting and how you can find meaning in your work. And we spent the whole day kind of touching in on that rather than the actual work. Cause this, that is why Lisa started this company. It's why we all joined and it can be easy to, to forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, it's easy to just get stuck into the actual work um, instead of stepping back and saying like, what is the direction that we're going in what are the you know what are the plans that we have speaking of plans I'm gonna plant a seed you said something about a flight plan yeah (laughs) it's like we have everything branded as birds you know that's amazing that's so (laughs) like on brand I mean that's amazing yeah yeah it goes a little too far sometimes (laughs) we're like okay the birdisms have to stop you know (laughs) um yet people yeah people love it and and I yeah and it's on brand. It makes sense. It's yeah. consistent. I like it. So our flight plans um, are what we call our uh, job descriptions, essentially. Um, and we, you know, when I started, there were five of us and we did not have job descriptions. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think many companies that size do, right? It's like, oh, if, if that thing comes in and I answer it, now I'm managing that project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got clear on sort of those job descriptions and we're still, you know, we're in year 10 of the company and, and still working on it. Roost is in year four and Starling started last year. And so, you know, we are learning those lessons quicker at each of those entities, but you know, it's still a work in progress, but essentially getting really clear on, yeah, what we expect from the team, mm-hmm. uh, in those job descriptions and then making sure we have especially for new employees, like a very gradual release of sort of 90 days of a ton of support so that they, we've defined success, success, you know, no longer being what's an emergency and how many emergencies came across your plate, but more so here's your job. And then how, how are you going to use what you bring to the table to find meaning in it and, and bring energy to the work. And so you're not just pushing people out of the nest. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> got to keep that talent <laughs> yeah for real or like making them fly before they're ready yeah kind of yeah Ooh. so then what has happened around nest and flock since you guys have decided to stop treating everything like a fire yeah i mean i think our client facing work it has gotten a ton like so much better it's it's 
we, I think, thought by prioritizing clients all the time, that was really good client service. Um, and customer service is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, people come at you. Both, most people are, are very reasonable and sane, but then you just have people who are taking out things that are not related to you mm-hmm. out on you, right? And so um, by telling our team, like, they're really the priority and, and sort of protecting them and their time and giving them a sense of control over that and clarity on what success is you know success is not did anybody yell at you today like that very mm-hmm. well could happen people get mm-hmm. really passionate about <laughs> things that impact them more managing major investments so I think by telling them and prioritizing them and communicating that to clients you know we care about our our team's days and their success and their sanity and and we've lost clients over it before and and we're happy to lose clients who kind of can't see that like our team is needs to be in a good place to serve our clients so i would say the client the client work has gotten a lot better the customer service has improved Um, that's awesome yeah and i think our team satisfaction has improved too that's cool Yeah. yeah i think that's the thing as a small business owner everybody tells you that you'll run into a client with better clients. It's you have more fun. And so sometimes yeah. you kind of like twist yourself too much to accommodate somebody or whatever. And then you end up not having fun all the um, way along. Yeah. yeah. Be picky about your client base um, yeah. is is definitely something you're told. And then you like learn, you, you always learn it through. You're making a few mistakes. But. Exactly. Cause in the beginning you're always like, but I just need clients. Like I don't care if they're good clients or bad clients. I just need clients. <laughs> And yeah, then anybody some... will do. <laughs> totally. And then what's there? Say that again. It's like anybody will do. Yes. Yeah. And and we want to do the a hundred percent. You know, we want to go above and beyond for every single one of them, which is right. still the intention, but um, getting there. But realizing that it's your team that is the one who needs to go above and beyond, and so they need to be taken care of. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So then, why do you think? I think all of us have this tendency to think that things are an emergency when they're not necessarily an emergency. What do you think is behind that? Oh, that's a great question. I do think sometimes behind it is you might, you know, you might feel overwhelmed and most people in a new position, right? Like, you know, take the industry out of it. I think start out overwhelmed or, or things overwhelm you in life, even not at work. And I think if you can't get out of that overwhelmed place, you start to think that, potentially some of your value comes from that, right? Like being overwhelmed, being busy, being overworked is valuable somehow or, you know, and that I just firmly believe and try to coach people out of that, that mindset of like, that's the value you bring to whatever you're doing. It, it really isn't like, if something is that hard for that long, of course you're going to struggle and that makes sense. But if something is so hard for so long, that is time for you to sort of look at why <laughs> and what you can change about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as an employer too, we have to look, we always tell people like 50% of your satisfaction is, is up to us. Like we need to create a great workplace. We need to live our values. We need to learn from our mistakes. We need to be open to feedback. And 50% of it is how you choose to show up and timing in your life, you know, and it is okay if that changes over time, I would expect it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, sometimes people get stuck sort of in, I'm overwhelmed and, and that is why I'm important. That's like, and it has to do with my importance or sort of 
mm. how busy I am, how much I contribute. And I, I, I think then yeah, everything sort of feels like a priority. <laughs> um, I can't remember the exact words, but I heard somebody say that they used to really admire people who were like so busy from one end of the day to the other and yeah. and everything. And then all of a sudden, as they matured, they realized, actually, that just means you have poor boundaries. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's the same thing. Like we can find our identity in being overwhelmed or being needed all the time. Totally. Um, and instead realizing where our identity comes from. And for all of us, we're going to get that either from a spiritual source or from a, you know, different relationships that we hold dear or all sorts of things, just our character and our lives, but that our identity doesn't need to come from being so busy that we're constantly overwhelmed. Absolutely. Like it is, you know, no matter what you do or how much time you choose to dedicate to work, which can change. Like I'm not a big believer that balance is necessarily 40 hours a week, right? It, it changes. Um, sometimes I choose to work on the weekend. It's all about how I, I frame it to myself of if I'm really not enjoying that and I feel like that's crossing a boundary, I need to pay attention to that if that's lasting for a long time. But if that's how I make sure I have flexibility during the week, that's, that's really fine. Like, like you said, it's, it's all about <laughs> good boundaries and setting them for yourself and knowing they, they could change as your life changes. Mm-hmm. And, and as an employer, understanding like that's true for your team too. For real. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, this identity piece being wrapped up in, in only your work, I think is another danger. Mm-hmm. Just like work has a way, you spend so much time there. If you love your coworkers, you know, you spend even more time with them and like making sure you're not spending that time in a negative headspace is, is really up to you, right? Like mm-hmm. it's important to have just things outside that give you a ton of meaning in your life so that it's not, work isn't this end all be all. And I think that's a really good point. Like spending so much of your time in a negative headspace or whatever. I think people often also feel trapped yeah. in their jobs and unemployment right yeah. now is not a super big concern. Other okay. times in our economy, it is. Um, and it probably will be again sometime, you know, but, but just, I think again, the identity and the put upon-ness that sometimes people can express, then it's also not fun for your colleagues either. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think that, so the, I can't remember the name, I think it was a hidden brain podcast that I listened to on, um, like job crafting and, and kind of finding meaning in work. And they, I'm back check this game, but <laughs> it's like. I, I think it's um, the whole point of the story was that, you know, they interviewed custodians to sort of, um, you know, the, the top doctor at a hospital. And it, it really had nothing to do with their position, how, how satisfied or meaningful they found their work. Like most mm. of the custodians felt that they just, they, by cleaning the rooms incredibly well, they were like providing somebody with safety and sort of security and just a better environment to heal in. Yeah. But you can, I think, choose to look at your work. It is a choice in how you look at your job, even if you're not loving it in a moment. And maybe you are a little bit trapped because you maybe don't live in a place where you have a lot of job choice or opportunities. I think there are ways to figure out, yeah, what you bring to the table and how, what gives you energy in that job and where there is meaning in it. Because there's meaning in everything everybody does. <laughs> For real. Yeah. For real, there really is. I um, try to be really careful with my kids, kind of which 
professions I elevate and you know, one that I'm always, I'm like, I am so grateful that these trash men come and pick up our trash every week. Absolutely. Like, can you imagine what our house would look like if the city hadn't thought through that we need waste removal? And, you know, we were driving by Blue Plains the other day and we yeah. <laughs> made the kids roll down the windows. <laughs> um, for people outside of DC, Blue Plains is the water treatment plant here. Yeah. And, um, and you know, we were like, isn't that amazing that everything that goes on the toilet, it's got a place to go and somebody takes care of it. Um, totally. you know, it's a really important job, um, because I think there is dignity in every single job. And so, um, just recognizing yeah. in our own language as well, how we talk about people who do different jobs, how we interact with them. Yeah. Um, and you start to do that. I think you would just, you start to appreciate everybody a little bit more. It's like, how is, how could that be a bad idea? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> understanding like everybody's job is hard you know, mm -hmm. my approach might be making my job harder or it might be a really hard time right now, but things do, everybody is kind of dealing with their own version of that. I think it's yeah. just helpful to be aware. For sure, for sure. So what do you think that people could do if they kind of took on these perspectives, if they stopped treating everything like an emergency, if they realized that 50% of their job is them, what do you think might change or open up for people? Yeah. I mean, I think you're way more productive if you, I think, yeah, productivity is incredibly tied to mindset um, and approach. And it's, it's this, yeah, the productivity to me means being able to get more done so that in less amount of time or with less energy, so I have energy for other things. Um, so I think higher productivity, that that's what we see. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, more, more opportunities for people and overall I think doing that at work because work for most people right is where you spend most of your waking hours I do think it like leads to just a better life and approach overall um so I think it can be life-changing is what I'm saying yeah for <laughs> but, real yeah I think so too um so speaking of life-changing there's one question that I ask all the guests at the end of the podcast and that is, what are you personally trying to stop doing right now? And how is that impacting you? Oh, personally stop doing. Oh, I, I think for me, it's, it's, I mean, this is quite personal, but it's just like any, any sort of negative self-talk. I think mm. I have gotten really better at work, kind of knowing I have big responsibility there and that. I'm honored to have and we have an entire team of very capable people who do the job better than I ever did you know mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I'm able to do it in that realm pretty well mm -hmm. but I think just overall you know I'm 31 31 or 32 I think I'm 31 <laughs> um and I just it's like no I don't have time for that yeah. but it's it's pretty hard to do right just yeah. to sort of constantly be positive with yourself and, and understanding and, and kind of kind to yourself. No, totally. I've, you know, had a counselor or, you know, friend, like a, I think a counselor kind of challenged me to write down the things that I was saying to myself. Yeah. And oh my gosh, you know, just yeah. the, the, the tone that I use with myself or the things that I would never say to a dear friend of mine, or I would never permit a dear, you know, I would never permit someone else to say to a dear friend of mine, but ah. inside my head all the time, 
is this like constant chatter of a lot of negative stuff about myself. Absolutely. And I think it sometimes, I have in the past thought that's like what drives me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, really, it really doesn't serve serve any, any purpose. You can be nice to yourself and, and still have drive. You know, it's not like, yeah, I've never found it motivating externally to have somebody be incredibly mean to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah, it's a good point. I think that's a really good way to look at it. It's like, would you be this hard on a friend? If not, then why? Right. And like, if it's not gonna, another thing I had, uh, I think friends or mentor share with me is like, if it isn't going to matter in a year, don't lose any sort of sleep over it, you know? And, and that is like really right the time when you're like, as you're going to sleep, replaying everything. Yeah. Stop losing sleep. Sleep is so important. Sleep is so important. Sleep. Keep your phone out of your bedroom and keep yeah. yourself negative self-talk out of your bedroom. <laughs> exactly. That's when it's the easiest to sort of permeate. So. Yeah, for but, real. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much. I loved um, so much of what you said, but the idea of not like stopping, consciously stopping treating everything like an emergency, like that shows a lot of self-awareness that y'all have at Flock. Um, I'm really impressed. So thank you. It's a lot of effort too. I think we all catch our, you know, I say we do it a hundred percent of the time. It is, it is, it is more like 90% of the time, always aiming for a hundred. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, it was fun to hang out with you this morning. Um, Thanks. Thanks for staying here. All right, everyone. Well, that was a really fun conversation with Grace. I loved what she said about where you get your value. If you get your value from this sense of being overwhelmed and being frantic, or if you get your value from other places. Um, And then I loved her vulnerability at the end where she shared about the negative self-talk and how she is working to stop that. So I hope that you found some encouragement in here um, about how you can stop um, constantly thinking of everything as an emergency um, and how to prioritize your teams and the people in your life um, and how that results actually in better customer service. Thanks for listening.